Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. I'm Hondo Carpenter, editor and publisher of Raiders Today, as well as your host, joined by my good buddy, my friend and my colleague from thespun.com, the great Matt Holatic. Matt, how are you, bud? Doing great, Hondo, and we are one week, one step closer to the regular season. I can't believe it. I think it was yesterday was three weeks until the first game. Can uh, yeah, first the first uh, and first full Sunday. Yep. Yeah, Raiders game on the tenth. I'm like unbelievable. Are you kidding me? Time is flying. All right, we got a lot to discuss, Matt, because uh, there just is. We're going to talk about overreactions, underreactions, and all of that today. Uh, Aiden O'Connell goes out first two games. I mean, he looks tremendous. Um, now. I want to talk to you about this a little bit because I, as you know, reported when they drafted him, this is a guy that coming out of school as a junior, a lot of people thought would have been a first rounder. He chose to go back to Purdue. All of the ancillary things that went along with that, all the issues that went along with it, still got Purdue, which is a major story to a Big Ten championship game. Um. He has had a tremendous QB rating. He has looked good. There is nothing Aiden O'Connell has done negative. Okay. Now, I when he was brought in here, Brian Hoyer was brought in to back up Jimmy, but to be a tutor like he was to Mac Jones for Aiden O'Connell. Brian's done a really good job. We're going to give him all the credit in the world for what he's done to help Aiden. But at the same time, Aiden's taken the coaching and has come along exponentially. And so I, I'm hearing a lot of people, um, you know, you need to, we need to just go ahead and start Aiden O'Connell. No, you don't pay Jimmy the kind of money you paid him. I can tell you right now, Aiden does not have this offense mastered. He's a rookie. It's, it's very difficult to do. He is farther along than anybody thought he would be. So he deserves all the credit in the world for that. But I think you ride the horse of Jimmy, continue to let Aiden, Aiden win it. But you've got to tap the brakes a little bit because you've got a very efficient and a very qualified QB1. I think you got to let have Aiden have some time here. You know, we wrote a story about comparing his first, you know, start and, and playing to Kenny Stabler. We weren't saying he was Kenny Stabler. But the point is, is he played so well, we wanted to put it in perspective. Got to go back and find a Raiders quarterback in the first performance who performed that way. And But I just think there needs to be a let the kid develop a little bit. Your thoughts on the whole situation. No one's taken anything away from him. He's looked phenomenal. Your thoughts? Sure. You never want to keep uh, sort of unrealistic expectations and burdens on a rookie quarterback early on I think that it's tough enough to do for guys that are taken with the first or second pick in the draft who are expected to be these franchise saving or franchise altering QBs it's hard enough on them and then you look at a kid like Aiden O'Connell who has a lot of talent a lot of things that you look for in a quarterback um, but was drafted in the middle rounds and was not taken to be a guy counted on from day one the Raiders, like you said, they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo for a reason. It doesn't make any sense to me to for them to, to just shun Jimmy Garoppolo now. You don't do that. You roll with him to start the year. 
listen, if Jimmy Garoppolo plays well and your performance in the preseason carries over to the regular season and, you know, you're looking like you're hanging around the AFC playoff race and you're you're having a solid year, you roll with it. If you get to end of November and you're five and seven or something like that and, you know, you have five games left and you really are at a point where you're looking like the playoffs aren't in the cards, then I think it's and it's safe to say you turn to an Aiden O'Connell for the last month or so of the season to see what he has, to see if you think he can be the next guy for you when you move on from Garoppolo eventually. But for now, you have to bring him along slowly. You have to kind of take everything he's done in perspective. You bottle it. You put it in your back pocket. You you enjoy it as a Raider fan, and you, you, you're allowed to get excited. No one's saying you shouldn't but you don't want to keep too much on his plate right away. Yeah, I think the Raider Nation should be excited. I think they are excited. I mean, you got a really quality young quarterback that's showing a lot of flashes. You've got a very good starting quarterback. Listen, nobody is saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is anything the Raiders – fans and I'm not telling them what to think I'm just giving my perspective is is that I think there shouldn't be any angst all right dump Jimmy go with this no no I think there should be total excitement look at what we got we got a great guy in Brian Hoyer to tootle I mean to offer tutelage but also knows the system backwards and forwards we've got Jimmy who's a proven winner when healthy and man we've got this young kid that that shows the it. I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be happy. I don't think there's any to be unhappy with. Agree? I would agree with that. You know, you're definitely you're feeling better about your quarterback situation than you might have even thought you'd be at this point of preseason, well, less than three weeks till the opening game. I agree. All right. I want to get to a couple things with you real quick. Um, as you know, I predicted the Raiders, if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, uh, to win nine games, to go nine and eight. And you may remember, I predicted them to start the season at 0-2. I predicted a loss at Denver and a loss at Buffalo. And my question for you, Matt, that I want to get to is, you know, nine wins to me is just the ceiling. I, there are still some defensive questions, not that they didn't address those issues, but there still are some defensive questions to me because you got young guys who have to learn. And, and so to me, you always have to budget in the learning curve. Now, if they come along quicker, more can happen. But my job is to give up when I give a prediction is what's my analysis of what I expect to happen. My first two years, I nailed it. Last year, I was terrible. Worst in the world. Um, but I own it. It's interesting to me, though, this Raider team, if they played the Broncos 10 times in Denver right now, my now, now obviously it may look different when I see the Broncos. I think the Broncos win six, the Raiders win four. But I've been watching these Broncos and their ones. I've not been impressed. How big of a deal would it be for the Raiders if they could go up to Denver? And in my opinion, it would be stealing and go up and steal a game to start that season. I, I'm telling you, Matt, I, there's going to be some adjustments to the Sean Payton system, but I, I, I'm, look, I'm looking ahead a little bit. Help me here. 
Well, I think that, you know, that's obviously would be a division win in a tough division, a win over a rival. I think going into that game, you know, listen, excuse me, fans tend to, um, and I'm including myself in them as a fan, um, we may overreact to one week, a win or a loss. But I do think that the Broncos have a lot more pressure on them going into the season, of course, but even just going into week one because they were really bad last year. And mm-hmm. Russell Wilson was really bad last year. Now, Sean Payton is a much is a clear upgrade over Daniel Hackett. I don't think anyone's going to argue against that. But Russell Wilson, so far in the preseason, hasn't looked that great. And maybe he adjusts some more when the lights come on in September. You know, he's better. He's more capable in the system, more comfortable, and he starts to look like the Russell Wilson of old. But if he's just old Russell Wilson and he's kind of trending more on the downside of his career, the Broncos could be in some trouble again this year, and that's a game with the Raiders steal. Well, now you give yourself some confidence. Now, even with a win there, I don't think they go to Buffalo and win in week two, but you feel, I don't either. Pretty, you feel pretty good coming back home, even at one and one for a game that's winnable against the Steelers before you go on the road again and play the Chargers uh, in another division game. You know, th- there are some games early in the season against teams that I think could be good and could be player factors in the playoff race. Um, Pittsburgh. Uh, and these are teams that missed the playoffs last year. Pittsburgh, um, Green Bay. I'm looking at the schedule right now. New England at home. The Green Bay game is also at home. Raiders got to go to the Bears. Those are four games right there against teams that are kind of on the playoff cusp, uh, it, whether in the AFC or NFC, where if the Raiders can beat them or at least get a couple of wins against them, you're feeling pretty good, I think, heading to the back half of your schedule that you're going to be a factor in the postseason race in the AFC. Maybe not make it, but you're not, you know, it's the three and four win predictions that I've seen else, elsewhere, the you know, the more dire scenarios aren't going to come to fruition. You know, I'm going to say this to you, Matt, because the, if they get to 10 wins, now I still think it's going to be nine, but they get to 10 now, they're going to be in the playoffs. I believe a 10-win Raider team makes the playoffs to me. And there are some games that they can steal. Now, to get to nine game you get to nine wins i'm already planning on them stealing them stealing something now I, you touched on something and, and we did not discuss what we were going to talk about that i wanted to address with you that i thought was brutally important and that is pressure i think this raider team is in a place that the national pundits are not discussing there's no pressure outside of the building on them now fans but i'm not mm-hmm. talking about that the expectation even among a lot of the fans, oh, this sucks. Let's just let them lose so we can burn it down and get rid of Josh McDaniels. And that's not all. I'm not implying it's all, but there is a, a very vocal number who feel that way. I think that puts the Raiders in a really good spot because here's my point. I think there's a ton of pressure in Denver. New owners, you just paid Sean Payton all that money. Sean Payton's run his mouth a lot. You got Russell Wilson. I think all of the pressure week one is on Denver. I don't think there's any pressure on the Raiders. Again, outside, there's a ton of pressure on the inside. We're going to address that next. 
But I I think that puts the Raiders in a spot where there's a term here in Vegas. We're playing with house money. House money. <laughs> yep. They're playing with house money right now, Matt. And for those of you at home that don't know what it means, let's say you go to a blackjack table with a hundred bucks and you win 200 on the first hand. So now you have your hundred bucks originally, but you have $200 worth of house money. So maybe you gamble a little bit looser. I think this Raider team goes up to Denver and I did not feel this when I made my predictions, when the schedule came out, I think they're playing with a lot of house money. And I think all the pressure's on Denver. What do you think of that? I would agree. I think the pressure's definitely on Denver. I think even when you look beyond week one, you look around the division, I don't think there's pressure on Kansas City. There's expectations, obviously. They have the best quarterback in the league. Um, one of the all-time great coach in Andy Reid. Um, they just won a, a Super Bowl second in the last few years. So there's expectations there, but they should be very good again. I, but I think there's pressure on Denver, and I think there's pressure on L.A. too because the Chargers have had a playoff near miss uh, two years ago late in the season against the Raiders. They you know, they end up missing the playoffs. And last year they get in and they blow a 27-0 lead to the Jaguars. And they have a really good young quarterback, Justin Herbert, but they have a, a head coach who's a bit on the hot seat. And I think if Brandon Staley doesn't show something this year, he might be on his way out. They did bring in Kellen Moore, who I think should help there as the offensive coordinator. But there's pressure on them, too. In the division, the Raiders have, I think, the least amount of pressure by far on them, at least externally, like you said. Um, and then when you look, again, some of those toss-up games – that I mentioned early in the season. And again, we don't know how the season is going to play out once it gets going. We don't know what injuries are going to happen. We don't know what teams are going to look like. But just looking ahead on paper at the schedule going into the year, um, there's a lot more pressure, I think, externally on the Steelers than on the Raiders because they got to see if Kenny Pickett takes the next step up and becomes the franchise quarterback they think he can be. Um, and they've also had a little bit of a playoff throughout there, which is uncharacteristic for their franchise. You know, there's more pressure on the Patriots because of they've had a couple of losing seasons, even though they were they were in the playoffs two years ago, and they got to see if Mac Jones is going to be the guy. There's more pressure on the Bears coming into the season because, again, there's expectations on Justin Fields taking a big leap, and if he doesn't, then it's a problem. And I think the Packers are playing with a little bit of house money this year coming into the year because nobody's really expecting that much of them without Aaron Rodgers, although, you know. I think they, they're going to win the AFC Norris. There is there's, there is some pressure hey, on hey, them. Hey, a lot, let me just say something. A lot of the kids watching right now are going to have no idea. Oh, no. What I just, division. Yeah. Yeah, but you're going to know. what You know what I mean when mm -hmm. I say the NFC Norris division. Yes, exactly. And um, I remember still remember all the uh, old, old highlights in the 90s with Chris Barman's calling it that. Uh, NFC that's back Norris. That's back when the Buccaneers were in that division, which tells you yeah. uh, that's something kids aren't going to understand. Um, but the, there is some pressure on Jordan Love not to be Aaron Rodgers, but to show that, you know, this is a guy that they can trust as their next franchise quarterback. So yep. there isn't that pressure on the Raiders. There's this could be a possibility for them to maybe play a little loose early in the season for seven or eight weeks and win a couple more games that people may not expect. Yep. I, I, I'm telling you, 
and this gets us to the third point I want to discuss today. Out externally, even from their fans, there isn't a ton of pressure on the Raiders. But the pressure they are feeling is on the inside. Now, I I, I want to um, be careful how I word this. I'm I'm not going to tell you what he said, but I will tell you what I said. Josh McDaniels and I in the locker room had a conversation. It was off the record. I'm just going to tell you what I said. I, I would never, ever betray anybody, Josh or anybody. But I said to him, it is impressive to me how this team is holding themselves to a standard. Um, the first day in L.A., Matt, I mean, Max, the guys, they were all mad. And they won that practice. They didn't dominate, but they won it. And they were mad. They, Hey, this isn't how we play. I'm not tolerating this. I want this. I want this. And Josh, to his credit, and this is – there are a lot of things now where he's different than Denver, a lot. This is one of them. He isn't trying to be Bill Belichick. He is. He learned in his failure, and we all have been in our lives humiliated or embarrassed or torn down and taken down a few steps. I certainly have. And you learn from that if you're smart. And he has. And he has just backed away and let the team take ownership of the team. They believe in him. They trust him. And they're setting that standard now. Hey, because the Raiders of old, would you'd see them go to Denver, I mean, KC and almost upset or upset the Chiefs. And then the next week they're playing a nobody who sucks and they lose or barely have any success. And you can't be a championship team playing up or down to the level of your competition. It's just got to each week you're playing yourself. And they're doing that. And, Matt, I'm telling you, the pressure they're feeling, and I think this is the good pressure, is from themselves. Hey, we know we're better. Hey, we know we can do better than this. Hey, we got to play up. And to Josh's credit, it isn't manufactured by the coach. And and I'm in that locker room. I laugh at people. You're just being a voice of the – no, I'm, I'm – I'm telling you what I'm seeing, what the players are telling me off the record, more so than on. And I, I just think that's the pressure you want a team to have. I was not expecting it, to be honest with you, Matt. I thought it would be there, but not like it is now. Um, kind of like Aiden O'Connell. I, I, I said I thought he was going to be a great quarterback. I thought he had a chance of being a franchise quarterback at one day in his career. I did not think he would be competing with Matt with Brian Hoyer. Sorry, I was thinking about Brian's little brother. Um, I didn't think he would be competing with Brian right now. He's farther along. I think the Raider culture is farther along than I thought. And to me, our second question was the pressure is not there from the outside. But our third one is it is from the inside. And that's good pressure. I would agree. I think anytime you have internal mechanisms in place, that's where players are holding themselves accountable, coaches are holding themselves accountable and the players accountable. Um, that's great. You know, I think any type of self-policing that goes on in the locker room like that and kind of, you know, where, where there's clear leadership and there's clear focus and consistency. That's a word that we talked about a lot last week. And I saw Josh McDaniels mention some of his post-game comments talking about why he chose to play a bunch of the starters against the Rams over the weekend. 
you, you're searching for that kind of consistency, that consistent effort. Listen, upsets happen in the NFL any given Sunday. You might, you're going to have some letdowns. You're going to have some weeks where you play up and beat a team that is better than you. But I think that last year, the law, the game to me that signified how much, of, as an outsider, how much of a mess last season was and disappointment was the loss to the Colts. A team at home, you're playing them at home. The Raiders at that point were still kind of hanging around the playoff picture, and the Colts had given up. They hired Matt Saturday off his couch. Um, Jeff Saturday, excuse me, we're all saying the wrong name. They hired Jeff Saturday off his couch, and they looked horrendous the entire time he was there, except for that game that they won. And now you're looking at, that can't happen. You know, if we go to Arrowhead and we lose to Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, okay. You know, if we go to Buffalo and we lose to Josh Allen and the Bills, they're they're very good. That happens. But you can't not get, you can't have a, a game where you have a flat effort or you're playing a team that is beatable or is struggling and you give them life like that. Uh, that's the sign of a, a t- you know when you eliminate that, that's the sign of a team that's trying to or about to make progress to the next step. Um, and I think that that's really crucial over the first half of the season for the Raiders because the last eight or nine games, uh, with the exception of probably the Colts again on paper, even though that game's on the road, the last eight or nine games are really tough for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree, Matt. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm I'm very impressed. As, listen, this team has weaknesses on the field. We're not we're not pretending that they don't. Got a lot of young players. They're going to make young player mistakes. But I am very impressed culture wise. This is not even the same team from last year. It's just so different. It's, 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 it's almost mind boggling. If I can be so blunt, it it is, it is fascinating for me to see. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about because you, you touched it and this was our fourth point. I'm going to actually talk to Josh McDaniels about it this week. Um, is that good teams take care of beating the teams they should beat. And then somehow find a way to maybe sneak one. I, I always say this. Um, I, I I remember, I, I believe it was Nick Saban. I'm, I'm almost certain it was Nick. It could have been Bobby Bowden. Could have been George Perlis. But it was one of those guys. But I think it was Nick told me once. Um, good teams find a way to win when they're not playing good. Mm-hmm. And And I thought that was that they just somehow instinctively inside of them. I remember last year, I think the Raiders were up 17-0 or something like that against Kansas City. They were up. It was – they had – several times last year they had big leads. But I specifically remember the Kansas City game. And I remember thinking to myself, Kansas City is going to find a way to come back and win this. And they did because good teams find a way when they're not playing good to just make a play. To me, the culture step, which is holding yourself to a standard, is the first step on getting to a championship level. The next step now is winning games when you're not playing good. And and to me, there are four or five steps. I'm going to actually talk about those and write about those before the season. But I think the first step is setting a standard where the players set it, where we're not playing 
other teams or playing ourselves. The second standard is even when I'm not playing good, I find a way to win. That's the next step for the Raiders now that they're showing that first. Do you agree or disagree? I would agree. Um, and I think the analogy that I'm going to make here is one I've heard uh, on television a, a bunch of times from guys who are starting pitchers in the major leagues. Um, and if you're an ace, you know, a top-line, front-line starter, they say, you know, if you make 30 starts in a season, there's going to be at least, you know, five of them where you're just – you don't have it. No matter how good of a pitcher you are, you're just bad. You just – it's a day where they're hitting you or something's not working and you're going to get you, – you're, you're going to get shelled a little bit. And then there's probably, you know, 12 to 15 days where your light's out and you feel like nobody can hit you and there's a reason why you're one of the best at what you do. And then after that, those other, you know, 9 to 12 starts – where you're kind of in the middle where something it feels okay, but you just don't feel as sharp as you normally do. You don't feel like an ace. You don't feel like the best you can be. The, the good teams, the good pitchers, the great teams, great pitchers, they grind those out and they find enough wins or good performances out of those games in the middle. And that's what you're looking at, I think, when you're a team, you're a great NFL team or a really good NFL team. There's going to be some weeks where you dominate the other team. Things are clicking on all cylinders. Maybe you're playing a team that's really bad. You're, you're blowing them out. There's going to be a couple of weeks a year where you have a letdown. Or mm -hmm. maybe you play against a team that also is really good and they get the better of you that week. But there's, there's going to be weeks where two or three plays make a difference. Or maybe even if you're the better team on paper – you don't have your best, your A game that day. You have a C plus or a B game, and the other team's playing its A game, the best that they could play. How do you kind of find yourself within that game, within the context of the game, say, what do we need to do to secure a win here? I think that's the, the key to a development uh, for any franchise in the NFL. Yeah, I remember I covered Justin Verlander for yeah. the Tigers, and I remember um, one game – where he, I think he threw maybe six innings, seven innings, but, or maybe six and a third. And he, he was okay. And maybe losing three, two, could have been two, one, four, two, I don't know, but he was losing. And he walks off the mound and comes, gets up on the, you could tell there was something going on, gets up on the mound and he ends up pitching long enough. His team gets the lead. He gets the win. And I'm talking to him in the locker in, in the clubhouse afterwards. And at that time, I just always called him Rocket. I know that there's Roger Clemens, but he was a you know a young kid, and I just he's such a great guy. I really like him. And and I'm just kind of talking about what happened when you went off that mound. And he laughed. He goes, "You saw that, huh?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "I just reminded myself everything isn't working for me, so just throw strikes and trust my teammates. Just throw strikes that probably aren't going to get jacked out of the house." Trust my teammates to play good defense and get back in. Well, it was just a short time later he threw a no-hitter. <laughs> and I'm I'm there at, at his locker in the clubhouse and, you know, joke with him and laughing with him. And the next day or a couple of days later, I don't remember, but I'm back in the locker room. It's a day he's not pitching. And I walk over and I go, hey, Rocket, it was a different day than the day you had to remind yourself. He says, oh, man, it sure was. And, and, and 
my point is going along exactly with you. It's when the days you don't have it, okay, I'm going to trust my defense today. I'm going to trust my special teams to make a play. And then the days you do have it, oh, watch out. Here come Jimmy and Devontae. That's the next step for a good team, isn't it? Without a doubt. And I think that that's something you're hoping to see from the Raiders throughout this season. I think that this year, I know this, you know, coming off of playoffs two years ago and then going back to six wins last year was a huge disappointment. But I don't think this year has to be a playoffs or bust season for the Raiders. You know, it's why Raiders, I said nine wins. Right. That may get them in, it might not. You know, or even if they win, you know, eight games or eight, nine. Yes, it's a losing season, but you're in the middle. You're in the middle class, so to speak, of the NFL, and, and you're taking steps to get to the next level. They need to build that culture to build, uh, th build that up and to feel like, you know, this. the Raiders aren't – just because we're the Raiders, we're not going to screw this up. Oh, no, here comes same old Raiders. They need to get beyond that, and I think that's a huge um, – Huge point for them this year to, to try to try to make to their fan base and make to among themselves. You know, I, I'm not making any excuses. Here's the deal. If Jimmy stays healthy and they, they get to nine wins, I don't think they go to the playoffs. But what and if they get to the playoffs, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. So, I mean, if, if you're not going to be the one hoisting the Lombardi, then what's a success? I think when this season is over. Raider Nation and internally the Raiders uh, um, building has to be able to look back at the steps of success, culture, winning games when you're not playing good, and other things, discipline. And they have to be able to say, okay, we took three or four steps up today. We're headed toward – to me, the, the playoffs are, are, are bust for a good season is next year. I don't, right, I don't I think that's that. the – I don't think it's this year. That. I think this year is showing steps, showing progress, and moving along. To me, that I think that's a big one. Agreed? 100%. I think this is building a culture, building that, that foundation, setting you up for 2024 as a year where you want to be in the playoffs and making some noise in, in the division where you want to feel like you are at least mm -hmm. in the running with the Chiefs for the division title. Yep, I agree. And you know what? If this team gets to nine wins or somehow steals when it gets to ten, they're going to be in the running this year. Don't think they're going to get it, but they're going to be in the running. It's going to be it's going to be an exciting season. All right, now listen. Next week, Matt and I are going to come back with the episode everybody loves. We're going to give our predictions, and we're not. We've already given our Raider predictions. We're going to look ahead to each division, each conference. We're going to talk Super Bowls. We're going to talk it all. That's next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Matt, I appreciate you and our friend, your friendship, my friend. Anytime, man. Always a pleasure. All right. Now, talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Right, this is one. Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. And that's the one and only the legend, the great Matt Halatic. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa. Whoa.